All right, guys, I'm back. I know it's been a minute, but I've actually been working on the podcast, just not posting because I've been doing a lot of behind the scenes work. And with this episode, as you'll hear, it has finally paid off. I finally got my very first guest who I did not know prior to recording on the show, on the show, on the podcast, whatever, you know what I mean. And I just have to say, it was awesome. I had so much fun. I learned so much and I was really, really nervous going into it. So I apologize if you could like hear that in my voice. I also want to apologize for the sound quality because as I figured out after, my microphone was not the microphone being used to record. It was my computer microphone, hence why it sounds like you are listening to me over Zoom because you basically are. But regardless, you can still hear me fine. It's just not the best quality. And it was so good and so much fun. And a huge, huge thank you to my guest who will be introduced once the episode actually starts. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. And please feel free to give any feedback or give any recommendations on who I should have on. Uh, Shout out to my friend Murphy. Murphy, I already know who you want me to have on. So I will make sure to try and make that happen. But Without further ado, my first legit interview on this podcast, Nikki Dietrich, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining for another episode of Starting or Settling. As always, it never changes. I am your host, Julia. And today is super, super exciting because we have a very special guest, my first ever guest that I didn't know prior to recording. So that's very exciting. Nikki, I never asked you how to pronounce your last name. Nikki, go for it. It's Dietrich. That's like if if it was UK, but it's a CH. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, Nikki, Dietrich, thank you so much for joining today. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm, as you can tell, very excited. I've said it six million times already and we just started recording. Um, (laughs) I'm super excited too. This is like a dream of mine to be a podcast guest. So, oh, there we go. We're fulfilling dreams already. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm going to give a quick little introduction about you. I did a little research that might be a little creepy, but I had to do my homework. No, it's not. And feel free to add in anything you feel like I missed or that you just feel like is super important for people to know about you. So for everyone that doesn't know, and I will have all of your social media links in the description, Nikki is a content creator, a fashion model, a social media influencer. You have, it keeps going up. I keep trying to track it over 5,000 followers on Instagram, literally from I think 3 p.m. this afternoon to now it's still gone up. So that's awesome. <laughs> I just um, hit 5K like right before we got on this call. So that was I know when I saw on your TikTok, you're like, let's get me to 5K. And I'm like, she did it already. So that's awesome. <laughs> On TikTok, you have over 63,000 followers and over 3.4 million likes, which is insane. Like, how do you think about that number? 3.4 million people have liked your content. I, it's kind of hard to wrap my head around because I always put it in terms of population of like areas. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's just crazy to me. So it's kind of hard to fathom. <laughs> That's insane to think about, you know, given from where you are, where you started, not only just what was it a year ago you were 
in corporate America, the lovely corporate America, you were doing sales and a life-changing event happened to you, which most people I feel like wouldn't be so open about, but (laughs) actually how I found you was your post on Instagram. And I think it's really awesome that you are so open about it. If you want to get into that sort of event, that life-changing event. Yes. So I, right after college, um, went straight into working like a corporate job essentially. And I did that for gosh, two ish years. I was kind of bouncing between corporate like sales jobs. And then I landed at a staffing agency. So I was on like the business development and sales side at like an IT staffing firm, which was just not at all what I'm interested in, but I was just promised a nice base salary and a lot of commission opportunity. Plus it sounded really fun because I was going to get to do outside sales and like go meet people and talk in person where previously I was doing like telemarketing sales. Um, But I was only there for three months before I actually got fired. So I guess let go is kind of more of a gentle term, but I wasn't like laid off or anything. I was just me that got fired. Nobody else did. (laughs) But um, it was crazy because I really, I wasn't underperforming. It wasn't a performance issue. I guess it was more of like an attitude issue. I always was, you know, tried to do my best at work and come with a positive attitude, but my managers were very trying to get me to say, you know, how are you feeling? How are you liking it? How are you doing? And I'm just really honest. And I'm like, no, I don't know. I don't know if this is for me. I don't feel like I'm thriving. I was kind of more interested in going to the recruiting side instead of sales. Um, And they were like, oh, you know, just stick it out a little longer, see what you can do. And so I said, okay, I'm going to try my best. And then one day it was just like, you know, today's going to be your last day. They hit me with that. So, oh my God, it was rough. It was a wake up call for me for sure. What is your like immediate reaction? Because, you know, now in COVID world, post COVID world, you know, in my job, I'm primarily working from home. So if that were to happen to me and I have this perpetual fear of being fired every day for literally no reason, <laughs> um, yeah. but I have like sort of that luxury of just being at home and I can just like go walk over to my bed and, you know, react however I want to, which would be crying. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But what like immediate response, how do you get through that day and, and sort of where's your head at by the time you get home? Oh my gosh. So I... It, this was right before COVID. It was like November-ish or maybe a little earlier. It was like end of 2019. Um, so I didn't really know anyone who'd been fired from a job really. And I like live on my own. I was with roommates at the time, you know, working full time, paying loans, paying like rent and all these things. And so I immediately, my first thought was like, oh my God, how am I going to pay my bills? Yeah, That was like my gut reaction was like, I have to find another job. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. So I remember I had to like pack up my stuff at my desk. My um, boss at the time was like, do you need a minute? And at first I was like, yeah, I need a minute, but I knew I was going to start crying. So I was like, nope, you know what? I'm good. So I like walk over to my desk and I'm packing up my stuff. I'm looking at my friend, like trying to give her the eyes, like, oh my God, I just got fired. I like go to my car and I'm just sobbing, driving home. Oh, it was so bad. I called my mom and I was like, I just got fired. I didn't know what to do. I was panicking. And she she was like there's this magical thing called unemployment you know when you get let go you do get to collect that so you're not gonna be broke you know you'll be able to pay your bills so I was like thank god I didn't even know that was a thing um 
so that was a, that was a little bit nice so I used yeah. It. yeah I had a buffer because at first I was full-on panicking yeah but um yeah it was definitely crying and freaking out and emotional eating but after a while I kind of gathered myself and figured I really hated this job anyway and I was looking for other options anyway so maybe it's not the worst thing in the world it was more of like a sign for me to to kind of do something different well how do you get yourself to that mindset though because obviously it's it's very easy to sort of I hate saying wallow in it because it has such a negative connotation but it is very Mm -hmm. easy to just allow yourself to be sad all the time and and not have Mm -hmm. that motivation to get up and go and so to transition from okay I just got fired what am I going to do to you know what no this was a good thing let me take advantage of this opportunity to pursue what I actually want to do I think that it took me a bit to kind of switch that mindset because like I said immediately I was in panic mode of just I don't know what I'm going to do how I'm going to pay my bills like I I can't do this I can't my parents live in Arizona and moving there back home was like not an option for me I had a lease to take care of I have like all my friends here my boyfriend here so I was just like okay I gotta get another full-time job and pretty immediately I started searching for new jobs interviewing I went through a few like pretty I I think I went through some final round interviews with some more like sales and recruiting marketing type companies um and I had already been before I even got let go I was already looking for other jobs that weren't in sales because I just wasn't super stoked on the industry yeah um but it was actually my roommate at the time who was like you know what while you're applying to other jobs why don't you just search up some modeling agencies locally and just start applying and see what happens. You never know what's going to happen. Cause she knew that that had been a dream of mine forever since I was in high school and even younger probably. So that was kind of a thing I was also doing on the side and none of the job interviews I was doing were really like getting me super excited. I just knew I was going to hop into another job I was going to hate. Yeah. Um, so she was the one who pushed me to start thinking about doing something more creative because she works like non-traditional jobs as well. So I was like, okay, maybe there is another option for me than just the corporate route. So then while you're doing all of this, I think you bring up this idea of a non-traditional job. Um, It's so interesting because especially at that time, you know, while you're still in your early twenties, you're Mm -hmm. still kind of like, Hey mom, dad, like this is what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. not that you need the approval because it is your life. You are paying your own bills and supporting yourself, but mm-hmm. you, you do kind of need it, at least from like a mental, moral perspective of how, knowing that they're backing you. So when you did start to realize that this more non-traditional route of social media content creation modeling could be an option, how did you go about sort of accepting that yourself, but then also trying to get other people in your life to accept that as well if that was even an issue so it's kind of funny because my parents i mean i'm really really lucky i'm an only child and my parents have always been extremely supportive of me um and they definitely did like school was very important when i was growing up you know my dad especially always wanted me to do well in school and take ap classes and go to college and get a good job afterwards and that was a focus but they've always been really supportive in general um and i remember i did a photo shoot one day while i was still kind of in between like looking for a job and i was driving home from the shoot and i my friend who's a photographer sent me some of the photos 
And I started crying because I looked at them and I was like, whoa, maybe I actually could do something like this. I never really thought like, oh, you could really be a model or content creator or whatever. And I called my parents up and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to kind of pursue this instead. And my dad at first especially was really like, well, how are you going to make money? How are you going to do this? And the one thing that I told him to change his mind was that when my dad was young, he's my whole life done a bunch of different jobs. He's like a man of many talents, has been in many industries. And when he was young, he wanted to be like a rock star. He was in a band. He was a singer. He was a guitar player. And he got to do that when he was young. And I told him, I was like, hey, if you get to live your starving artist period, then so do I. I would not be a good Dietrich if I did not go through some like random starving artist hippie period like you did in the 70s. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So and then he immediately was like, well, I guess I can't really argue with that. You're right. So he kind of just said, as long as you are happy with what you're doing and can figure it out and can pay your bills, like, then go for it. So they were pretty supportive from the beginning. So you have modeling and then you start to transition or I'm going to guess here because this part, I don't know, but did, did you start to transition into the social media content creation space from that or to try to supplement it? Or did you feel like it would further your modeling career? So basically what happened was I ended up getting signed with an agency um, maybe like a month after getting fired from my job. It was still end of uh, 2019. Okay. And I got signed to an agency locally and I was like, okay, I'm going to do modeling. This is my new thing. And it's hard because at the time I was, I don't know, 24 probably, um, which is really late to get started in that industry. I feel like mm-hmm. most girls start at least in their late teens, um, if not even 14, 15. Um, So it was a little bit hard. And I'm also I'm tall and five, eight, but I'm not super tall. So I'm like, not super ideal for like traditional modeling. But I got signed to my agency, I was super stoked and kind of figured, okay, I'm gonna start booking gigs, and I'm gonna make all this money. And that's just not really how it ended up happening. Um, And I've always been interested in not even just traditional modeling, but doing more social media stuff. Um, And at that time was when I kind of started getting on TikTok, which was blowing up a little bit for me, not really until 2020, but it was a kind of a combination of things. Yeah. And once it was into the pandemic and past when things were starting to open up, my modeling agency wasn't really getting me that many jobs. And I kind of had to reevaluate, do I want to go the traditional modeling route, which is really a really tough industry? Or do I want to focus more on content, which is what I'm really more passionate about? Um, And I kind of realized the parts of modeling that I do like are the photo taking and the makeup and the hair and the fashion and the creative aspect of it, which I can still do, but just on my own. Yeah. Um, So now I'm not with the agency anymore. I decided that's not really the route I want to go. And I'm still able to take on like freelance jobs. Um, I have a lot of photographer friends and companies will reach out to me every once in a while. And then I can shoot with them in a more studio traditional setting. But doing my own content is really what makes me excited. So that's the route that I'm going now. What's interesting to me, and I don't think a lot of people probably know myself included because I'm not too well versed in the fashion beauty industry or Mm -hmm. industries. Um, so you said the positive parts or the, the parts that interested you the most about modeling being the photo taking and the hair and the makeup, what are the negative parts of it that didn't 
that may be surprised that you didn't like or were kind of the deterrence for you to, to take that traditional route? Yeah, modeling is tough because there's a lot of people who really dedicate their whole lives to it. It's a lot of traveling. It's a lot of uncertainty. It's hard because you, I mean, and this is similar to content creation in a way as well, but you're just, you never know where your next paycheck's going to come from. Mm -hmm. And it's also just a really competitive industry. Um, and it's a bummer because I think the industry is getting more progressive with like body inclusivity and things like that, but it's pretty rigid and it's hard. So sometimes you'll go to castings and they'll look at you and say, you you're, you're a size too big. Sorry, you got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, which luckily I didn't really experience too much of the negativity or toxicity in the industry. Cause I just never got too deep into it, yeah. but I've seen so many girls talk about it online of just how it's really, really emotionally draining. Um, plus you need to be you know, willing to move or be in a big city. And I, I live near LA, but I don't live in LA because I'm not the biggest fan of LA. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, I don't know. I just didn't think it was the right fit for my lifestyle. I think it's better for people who are young, single, ready to like, just go travel and uproot a little bit more. But I just not, it's not really for me. So that's really cool though, I think, because it sounds like you've taken a lot of time throughout the different career paths that you've tried to really evaluate not a matter of what's the biggest paycheck, what's the quickest paycheck or the most stable one, but what's going to keep me happy and and Mm -hmm. have me waking up every day motivated and ready to go. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think being in the creative space, I'm, I'm sort of butting on it myself of trying to do this podcast and it's hard. Like it's really hard. Mm -hmm. And especially for someone like you who does have a following what does that day-to-day look like for you trying to create content for the different platforms you're on or trying to maybe explore onto new ones? So I think the hardest thing for me is once you're doing content, you're kind of your own boss and it's just really hard to stay motivated and stay disciplined, um, which is something I've pretty much struggled with my whole life. Like I'm very sporadic in the way that I work. Like I'll get a burst of energy and work on something for a week and be super excited about it. And then I'm over it and don't touch it again ever. So it's hard to try and really, especially with working with brands and having deadlines, like you have to be organized. Um, And I actually, I think I might've been telling you this before, but I work part-time with another blogger as her creative assistant. Mm -hmm. And she's really established in the industry. She's a mom blogger and her handle is um, at mommy diary. If anyone wants to check her out, but um, she's, I've learned a lot from her on just how to stay organized, how to work with brands, how to make sure that your content is, you know, performing well and taking good content. And that's been really helpful to me too. Um, but it's, yeah, it's hard being self-motivated. That's something you definitely need in this industry. Yeah. And then also with, you know, trying to come up with content at times, it can Mm -hmm. be really, really difficult. And, you know, you're navigating it yourself, which that's, like you said, probably the hardest part because you don't have a boss that's like, hey, you need to do this today or by this date. Mm -hmm. It's really all on you. How do you feel like your process in, in trying to create content on a consistent basis that is also content that you that you like, that you are passionate about? How has that sort of evolved as your career has evolved? So I think um, really within the last maybe six months, I've kind of had this mental shift of taking this a lot more seriously. 
And anyone who I know who's going into like a creative space or wants to be an influencer, I tell them once you start telling people this is something that you do for a job, like whenever anyone asks me, what do you do? I say, I work as a creative assistant and I'm a content creator. You have to have that mindset shift to really think, okay, this is how I get paid. This is what I do for work to make yourself want to create content every day because it is hard. You have to wake up and be motivated. But I think that has helped me a ton. So now when I think about, okay, what do I have to do this week? Part of that is I have to put out, you know, an Instagram post every day. I have to go shoot new outfits. I need to film my TikToks. Um, I need to post on my stories. There's just a huge laundry list of things. But once you kind of <laughs> agree with yourself that you're taking this seriously as a job, I think that really helps you stay motivated to, or at least it has for me. That's that's a really great mindset shift to have. It's it's hard to do that sometimes though, because it's mm -hmm. sometimes easier to just be like, okay, well, I'm working this nine to five. Don't love it, but I know that I have it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think also that idea of taking yourself seriously in a space that does get heavily criticized. Like what are some of the biggest misconceptions about content creators, influencers that, what are some of those that you've heard? And, you know, I guess, how have you sort of tried to combat that in your own work? It's hard because it's such, it's really surprising to me how many people either a are not familiar with how the industry works um, but also just how it's really not taken seriously still when to me, it's completely the new way of marketing companies don't want to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a commercial or a yeah. print campaign for a magazine. If they can just pay influencers who already have a really engaged audience to market their products for them. And there's so many people who make this a full-time living. And I see that with my boss, she's been a full-time influencer for years now makes a great living and is able to support her family that way. Um, but there's a lot of people who, even if I'm out on the street taking photos, they'll kind of harass you when they walk by or kind of point and laugh. And it's other women, which is surprising too. I'm like, we should be supporting each other as women, but they, it's, it's still kind of judged a lot. Um, which for me, I mean, it's not, that doesn't bother me too much, but I can see how that would deter a lot of people from wanting to to do content and make content because it is really heavily judged still. But luckily I think that that's kind of starting to go away now because um, yeah. the industry, it just is becoming a little bit more accepting. And I think people are recognizing like as their friends get into it and are starting podcasts or YouTubes, people, everybody kind of knows somebody now who does content. Yeah. So it's getting better, but it's still, there's a lot of people who will for sure kind of criticize you for it. Yeah, it's so easy to because at the end of the day, like if you're putting yourself out there, you're putting yourself out there to be criticized as much as to mm -hmm. be complimented and to see success. And I think I've seen it happen so many times where there's been people who I don't know directly, but like friends of friends who have started the, you know, content creation, people were like, oh my God, look at this video, look at this picture. This is so stupid. This is whatever, but then they start to get a little bit of success, whether it's like a brand sending them something or an ad that they post. Mm -hmm. And then people are like, oh, like, look at this person. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> and it's like, did it really take sort of the name dropping of a brand to make you take them seriously when they're literally dedicating their energy and their life to this? Like, that's so surprising to me. But it also totally. makes me understand why people get scared to do it because you don't want to face that. And how, mm -hmm. I guess, if you do have people who are 
pointing or making comments or if you have people maybe that you grew up with who maybe have said something like how have you sort of dealt with that and and pushed through it well i it's kind of interesting because i think my whole life i've sort of i wouldn't say i've been an outcast but even in high school i was like never part of the popular group. I was in theater and dance. So I had my little crew, but you know, we were like the weird kids at school who wore funny costumes and like kind of ran around and did our own thing. Um, So I've always had a little bit of like silent judgment, I think from other people. And even in college too, I experienced that a lot. Um, But it's at the end of the day, people who don't know you will always have something to say about you, I think. Yeah. and even when I'm like out shooting by myself with my tripod, it's it looks kind of goofy. And yeah, I know I'm being embarrassing by just standing there and taking outfit photos in the middle of a busy street, but I'm never going to see those people again. And if I'm making money <laughs> by taking pictures of my outfit, then yeah. that's fun for me. So I feel like a lot of people just kind of project their own insecurities when they see people doing that because they wish they could do that. Like what I a dream job. Say. Yeah, literally. You know? if everyone had the confidence to do that, put themselves out there and take pictures on a busy street by themselves, they would do it. And totally. especially for a paycheck too. Like that's Oh yeah. And that's it's, awesome. I mean, once you put somebody behind a screen, they'll say anything. Like we've I think everybody's done that. If you have the opportunity to be anonymous, people will say the meanest things. Oh yeah. And I see that a lot on TikTok too, especially because you know, your videos have more of a chance of going viral. Whereas Instagram, you're pretty much just hitting your followers and you don't really see too much hate on there. But TikTok is a whole nother beast. And you just have to remember, like, people are super young. They're just trying to impress others. They're just doing it for attention. Like nobody would say anything mean straight to your face Mm -hmm. if you were in front of them, you know? Um, So I just try and kind of brush it off and ignore it. And Typically, it doesn't really bother me anymore. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. I know I'm big into mm-hmm. like sports and the sports world and media, and mm-hmm. people are just Twitter's the worst place, but I, oh. I'm obsessed with it. But it might just be the most toxic place because people say yeah. the most disgusting thing like insulting, rude, threatening things you would never because they know they'll get a reaction. Yeah. And it, but it's also, it's just like you couldn't even put your profile picture to at least you know, back it up a little bit. If you're going to be so tough and, you know, whatever, you better put a face to the name and your actual name, not like one, two, three, C. Like it's so, I can't understand that. But I know exactly what you mean. Well, it's people, like I said, they're just, they don't get validation in their everyday lives. So they have to go online and make themselves feel all big and cool and leave feet on other, because then it's like, they know they're going to get comments back and start arguments. And I've definitely been a culprit of that in the past. Like I am a Taurus. I'm very competitive. I get heated. Like I will argue to the end of time with people in my comment section, but I'm trying to learn like it, you're never going to change these people's mind. It doesn't matter. So I just leave the bantering for my friends and my day-to-day life, but it's, yeah, you can't win with people in your comment section ever. Well, I do have to ask, though, would you still fight for it? And it's only because it is also on your TikTok profile that you are a Swifty with a shopping problem. So if someone came came after Taylor Swift, how would you go for it? (laughs) I mean, yes, yes and no. I just think that anyone who says they don't like Taylor Swift either has internalized misogyny or just hasn't listened to enough of her music because she is 
you know, a just wonderful, wonderful songwriter yeah. and artist. I love her to death. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm like, they're just probably doing it for attention. Like people love to go and bash on Taylor Swift. And I'm like, she doesn't even know who you are. She will mm-hmm. cry herself to sleep with her money. Like it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, her so, money and seven million homes and all of her Grammys yes. and yeah. And her cats and yeah. her fans. And yeah. she's she's good. She's not worried about your mean comment. So I try not to. Um, but yeah, you know, in in person, especially if any of my friends try and start it up with me with her, <laughs> I will fight them. Yeah. Yes. Because I have to say for myself, Taylor Swift, when I think I was in like fourth or fifth grade when like Love Story and like that era of music for her came out. Um, and then I kind of stopped paying attention like to her music for a while. Never like hated her, but just didn't listen. And then mm-hmm. folklore came out and it changed yes. my life. Like to me, because I'm so East Coast, I'm from New Jersey, like 25 minutes from New York City. And to yeah. me, Cardigan gives such like oh. Rebecca downtown cobblestone streets in the fall. So good vibes yeah yes i feel like folklore really got a lot of people back on the bandwagon for her Mm -hmm. because i kind of i was the same like i didn't love her first album and then i i've always been a fan since then but i kind of fell off a little bit um and i went to her reputation tour so i was still a big swifty but in the middle i kind of took a dip yeah but folklore we that came when we all needed it like right during the pandemic oh it was so good and I'm like, I was an English major in college and I'm a big lyrics person. Lyrically, yeah. she tells stories and I'm like, you are incredible. Like, I don't think we've had a songwriter in our generation like her. She's a brilliant songwriter. Like, totally honestly. agree. And yeah. people don't, oh, it drives me nuts because like, yeah, okay, you belong with me. Like iconic song, really fun. We all love to scream, sing it in the car, but it's yeah. not one of her best songs, like by a long shot. Same with like, I knew you were trouble. Like all of her radio songs are not the best. So it just drives me nuts though with, and that's actually, that's a really good transition because I find that a lot of content that goes viral, whether it's music, TikTok, even like vines, we, we all know like the compilations of all the most iconic vines, but I feel like Mm -hmm. sometimes those are the most overrated parts of what people create so for mm-hmm. you having TikToks that blow up or go viral, like, do you feel like that's, do you find that the content you create that quote unquote does the best numbers wise, engagement wise, is that your favorite content that you've created? So that's actually super interesting. And I feel like I've been struggling with that recently because TikTok is a whole new beast because, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a whole new beast because there's videos that I make and I'm like, this is so good. And I post it and it doesn't even get hardly any likes or views. And I'm like, what the heck? It drives me nuts. Yeah. But then there's some videos that I just like casually, I'm like, whatever I should probably post today, just make it in 10 minutes and throw it up there. And it gets 2 million views. So it's really, really interesting how that works. Um, And I think it's, you have to find a healthy balance because sometimes like as content creators, we focus so much on creating this like perfect curated, beautiful piece of content when that's not always what people want to see. Sometimes they like to just see stuff that's like raw and real and you talking to the camera or making jokes or whatever. 
So I think you have to kind of find a happy medium because sometimes I focus too much on like devoting my time and energy into something when it's not even going to perform well. So it's kind of hard. It's a balance for sure. So I might get a little, not philosophical, but I might think too much into this then. Do you think that means that what makes your content better is when you are just doing your thing versus like planning it, thinking about it for hours, really making sure that every second is perfect. Every angle is the best it can be. Like, does it just mean that, do you think people are more attracted to the imperfection of content or is it that overproduced written script type content it's interesting because i think it's really changed a lot because i would say like two three years ago everybody on instagram was very like those really intense presets and perfect props and like crazy crazy but now and i think gen z has done a lot of this where it's romanticizing your day-to-day life and doing like very real little daily vlogs and like photo dumps of like just random you know you could have a picture of a spilt coffee on the street and people are like wow that's so artistic you know it's really cool now how it's taken this turn yeah um and i think part of it like you're saying philosophical i'm big into like manifestation and really yeah. putting out good energy i think sometimes when you focus too heavily on one piece of content like you put all your eggs in one basket and really really hope it's going to do well it's like you're not putting out the right energy yeah. you kind of have to just do your best put it out there if it does well it does well if it doesn't it doesn't so i think that goes into it a little bit too it's just kind of your energy when you're putting it out so who have been then some of your biggest influences in content creation modeling fashion but also do you find yourself more gravitated towards those people who have that quote unquote like artistic perfection or do you much prefer the more raw real content well i the first or basically the way that i got into social media at all was back in high school i watched a lot of youtubers and Mm -hmm. youtube was like my first love um and that was back in like 2012 2013 when like zoella was really big and like blair fowler and like all the really og youtubers yeah which that was a time when content like influencers weren't a thing they didn't even really make any money doing it it was just people who sat down and made videos in their rooms and then it became this big industry but i think that kind of gave me a baseline of you showcase your life and you're supposed to be really real online because if you curate it too much it's really unattainable So I think that's kind of how I've always approached it. Whereas some, I think it's, and I think it's trending back towards that now. Like I said, it's getting to be a little bit more real, but somewhere in the middle, we kind of floated into this like picture perfect, super unattainable, like lifestyle that you would see online, which I never was really drawn towards. Yeah. And I think on Instagram more so, I do like seeing a really pretty curated feed, but if somebody can't be real in stories and stuff, like if we don't ever see their personality, it sort of turns me off to their content because I, anybody could take a really curated aesthetic photo, but that doesn't tell me anything about you. Yeah. So I think it's okay to have both because I do love, you know, that's like my modeling side. I love really artistic, creative, super perfect aesthetic photos with mm-hmm. everything in place and the perfect pose and lighting and like all that is fun for me. But you're going to also see me on my stories talking about my pimples and my period cramps because it's like it I'm both of those things 
So I think it, you definitely have to have a balance of it. I think that's a really healthy way to look at it, especially because something I cannot stand, I'm not a picture taker, Instagram post. Mm-hmm. Like I literally changed my Instagram to make it my podcast Instagram because my whole thing is like having been into sports my whole life been into journalism my whole life. I'd much rather people focus on my thoughts and my words rather than what I look like. Um, yeah. Like ever since I was little, I wanted to be on sports radio. Like I wanted to be, I heard the, the major sports radio people who were all these guys and I wanted to be like the girl that That's people so awesome. listen to for sports, but mm-hmm. radio is like not a thing anymore. So now we're podcasting. Um, yes. <laughs> I think for me, the most frustrating thing in the world is in college, like before we'd go out, my friends would take 3,500 photos because they'd sit there and they'd stare at them and every little imperfection and best photos are always the ones where like, you kind of look a little stupid or like, you're not Mm -hmm. all standing in a perfect little like row or line. Like it's the imperfections to me that make it the best and the most memorable. Um, Mm -hmm. For you being, you know, creating all this content for Instagram, you know, putting yourself out there, taking because some of the photos, a lot of the photos on your feed are amazing. Like I thought, oh, thank was, you. I forget specifically when it was posted, but like somehow when you get the sunlight, like perfect. That's the one thing where I'm like, when it's golden hour, it's golden hour. Like it's perfect. yeah. <laughs> so for you though, like how do you sort of balance that with your personal life and then like your job of of modeling and content creating and posting yourself putting yourself out there to all these people it's hard because I that's another downside to having a job on social media is that your phone it's kind of hard to just put it away um so I find myself scrolling for hours on TikTok but I justify it to myself because I'm saying oh I'm just getting ideas for my videos and it makes it hard to be more present with your friends and your family. And then same thing with taking photos. Like whenever I go on vacation, my first reaction and my thought is, oh, I could get content there and there. And I want to do an outfit change. And I want to bring these outfits on our road trip. And it's you have to find a healthy balance between living in the moment and doing that. Yeah. And I think luckily, like my boyfriend is very supportive and he's learned how to take my photos and wherever we go, he knows I'm going to ask for a couple pictures and, but then he'll tell me like, okay, that's enough photos. We're going to actually enjoy our time. Yeah. Here. So yeah. you have to have people who are going to hold you accountable, but also it's important to have people who are supportive because it can be hard when you go out dressed up and you want to take a photo and your friends are just like, um, do you have to do that right now? It's like, well, yeah, it's, it's part of my job, you know? So it's it's definitely finding a healthy balance because it can really, really consume your life if you let it. Mm -hmm. So having boundaries is important. So after hearing sort of your journey to get to where you are, um, everything you've been through in terms of going through, getting let go, not knowing where to turn, pursuing a career that, some people still, a lot of people are still not comfortable with the idea of it. A lot of people like to put it down. Like you said, this podcast being called Starting or Settling, this idea for me of it's easy to choose the traditional path, get the nine to five after you graduate from college mm-hmm. and just go through the motions. Um, and it's obviously very hard to pursue what most people actually want to do. To you, what does that mean for you in what you've experienced with? not even just your career, with just life in general. I really like 
the concept of this because when you first brought it up I was like starting or settling that's like really interesting because I think it's it's hard because a lot of people some people just want to work a nine-to-five and they want to just clock in clock out and do their own thing and they don't mind working a boring desk job and for that person that wouldn't be considered settling um and I think it's also okay if you graduate and you need money and you work a job that you hate because people just go through that and you don't shouldn't have to feel guilty about it. Yeah. But the starting portion is kind of like what you're doing. You're working a nine to five, but you have the podcast that's starting something that you're passionate about mm-hmm. and you have to have that really to, to find your identity and find what you like. Yeah. Um, Cause it is so easy to settle and just think I'm going to do this nine to five job for the rest of my life. And that's all there is for me. You don't have to, you know, quit your job and risk it all and take this big risk and do what you love immediately. Like starting is what's important. Yeah. So I think people who are listening, like if you have something that you want to start, go for it, like do a side hustle, work hard on the weekends. Cause eventually that might take over your nine to five and you can go full time with it. You never know. So yeah, so it's then, hard, but it's worth it. <laughs> what is something that you maybe are thinking about starting for yourself? I don't know. I really want to start back up on YouTube, I think. Because um, I, I, YouTube is good. I watched a lot of the videos and you haven't posted oh, them. Thanks. Yeah, it's been so long since I've posted consistently because so when I was in high school, like actually, I guess it was right after high school graduation. I started a YouTube channel with a couple of girls that I knew um, forever. They were like long friends of mine. And then when I got to college, we kind of had a falling out and I just stopped filming completely. So then senior year of college, I finally was like, okay, I guess I should start my YouTube again. And I was really into it and really passionate about it. But it just, once I started working full time, I got busy and it was hard to keep up with. Um, and I always kick myself because I was like, if I had been making videos all throughout college, I could have totally blown up on there. But YouTube is like a, it's always been a passion of mine. I love video editing. Yeah. So I think either that or also maybe a podcast. Because I really, it. just start it. Yeah, you buy a $40 really microphone on Amazon. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll have to send me links to whatever your equipment is. so that I, can I got you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Because podcasts I've been obsessed with recently. So I'm like, maybe I should start a podcast because then I like get to talk and I don't have to do my makeup at all. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's the best part is I literally I'm like in sweatpants right now. Like it's perfect. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> We're all winning here. But what? so what are some of your podcasts that you listen to? What are your, like your go-tos? So my favorite one is Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed with them. I think Dax is like the funniest person ever. And he just seems so cool. And I love Monica and I love Kristen Bell. So I like that one. Um, I'm also really into um, the Bachelor franchise. Yeah. So I listen to the Almost Famous podcast a lot. And then um, there's one I started listening to recently called The Influenced Community, which is actually about like content creation and influencer stuff. And it's, I've learned, it's, I think it's sort of newer. It's by two girls who um, do like fashion content on Instagram. And it's so interesting and helpful for anyone who's kind of starting in the industry because they go over everything about like how to negotiate your rate with brands and like how to deal with you know negativity and all things about the influencer space so that one's been really cool for me to listen to recently too if you're big into the bachelor um i don't know if you've heard of it chicks in the office it's a barstool sports podcast they I do haven't. 
they do their own coverage of so they have like other episodes where it's just like pop culture so it's like celebrity news gossip whatever but then Mm -hmm. during the bachelor and the bachelorette and then bachelor in paradise they'll do like recaps right after the episodes air and put them out like the next morning so they're really good and they've become like friends with a lot of like the former people from the show so amazing yeah i love Yes, my friends and I are really into it. We do like a bracket for every season, and it's oh, you very guys, intense. yeah, those are fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. But I'm yeah. also a big Bravo, like obsessed Real Housewives of every city. Highly recommend. I never got into the Housewife series, but everyone's obsessed with it. Yeah, I know. I need to. I need to look at, like watch it. Where is it on? Like, where can I stream it? Do you know? um hulu and then i think netflix at least used to have like a few random seasons but it's definitely on hulu yeah okay i have hulu i'm gonna check it out because i i love reality tv but for me it's it's mostly like yeah oh i love my trash tv so (laughs) (laughs) but you know what actually you should listen to if you're a fan of taylor swift there was this i can't remember what it's called but i think the series is called like every single album or something okay. and it's it's nora princiati and i forgot the guy's name but they basically like deep dive into all of her albums mm-hmm. and it's so interesting they like go through her whole career talk about the albums and everything it's really really cool and it kind of gives you a way deeper knowledge into like her as an artist in the industry. Yeah, that's the so, stuff I'm into. I literally wrote that down. I'm definitely going to Oh, it's so good. I binged it all and I'm like so, so hurt that it's done. But once Red, Taylor's version comes out, they're going to do another episode. So I'll get oh, to good, listen again. Good. Perfect. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that actually transitions into my very last question for this episode. And I'm sorry to do this to you, but I have to because we always need a little controversy. If okay. you could only listen to one Taylor Swift song for the rest of your life, and it can only be one. Okay. Okay, believe it or not, I've thought about this before. You're like, if <laughs> someone ever asked me, I'm prepared. <laughs> well, okay, so my favorite song of hers is All Too Well, which okay. I feel like is a pretty generic Swifty answer. Um, but I just think it's her most... I love it, but I would be depressed if that was the only song I could listen to. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I honestly really love New Romantics, so I think I might pick that because it just gets me hyped. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'll say that. That's so hard, but. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of like an unfair question, and I'll admit that, but I, I just had to do it. I had to know. So yeah, I like that though. I like it's not the the very generic like radio, like you said before, the radio hits like yeah. the singles. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that's like that's yeah. a solid. I answer. guess I'll I guess it'd be that one. Maybe style too, because that that is like a radio hit. But that that's one a fun is just... song though. It's a feel good song. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I'm putting you oh, on the spot too. If you... <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with, and I think it's because the so. Um, one of my favorite YouTubers ever is Katie Bellotti. She, to me, her content okay. is so good. It's very, she's like, in, she's based in New York. She's been YouTube too. since like 2010 when she was like in middle school, like doing YouTube, like you said, before it was a thing to do. Um, and I just get, I said it before, Cardigan to me gives me mm. downtown Tribeca 
like sun is slowly setting. I have a cute little jacket on, cobblestone streets, perfection. So good. If my life could be like that. I'd be the happiest person ever. Oh, the lyrics and the bridge of that song. I could talk about Taylor Swift forever. If you ever want to do another episode just about her, you call that's me up good. because I'm well, ready. That's the thing is when you have people who create songs that you can just pick apart in a good way for hours, and you can do that with literally maybe a one single song of hers, is you can talk about it for so long because it's so there's so much to it between the lyrics, between the way it's produced and composed and oh it's it's so good i was never like i'm never like a fangirl i'm not like that type of person but mm -hmm. folklore to me like yeah i needed that it was good yeah it's so good so yeah. good well nikki thank you so much this has been awesome this was probably like the best first interview i could have asked for because Yay. i know i skipped through, like, some of the questions i was planning on asking and I didn't even ask a good portion of them, which is how it should go, <laughs> because that means it was it was flowing. It was a conversation. It didn't feel to me, at least, like an interview. And so I want to thank you for giving such honest, real answers. I really, really appreciate it. And it was honestly so great to hear about your career and your journey and, and everything you've gone through as well. Well, thank you. And you're so talented. I don't know. I... This is one of my hesitations in starting the podcast is I love the idea of interviewing people, but I cannot just flow like naturally in a conversation when you have to ask questions like I can answer them, but ask that is a whole nother talent. So you killed it. You're a natural. I would never be able to tell this was your first like one on one with somebody you don't know because you're amazing. So I'm excited to follow along with the rest of your podcast, too. Oh, thank you so much. That honestly means a lot. I really do appreciate it. And I, like I said, I'm going to make sure to link your socials, your TikTok, Instagram. I'm going to put your YouTube there too, because okay. I'm going <laughs> that up again. Um, okay, this if, you shout them out, if you just want to shout them out too, so people can, can follow from here. Yes. So pretty much everything, my TikTok, Instagram is Nikki Dietrich. It's N-I-K-I-D-E-T-R-I-C-H. So yeah, that's me. I look forward to seeing some new faces. Come say hi if you listen to the podcast. All right, guys. And that is it for today's episode. Once again, a huge, huge, huge thank you to Nikki for taking the time out of her day to do this interview with me. Uh, her being on the West Coast, me being on the East Coast, she literally worked her schedule around my work schedule to be able to do this. And she was also an awesome guest. I honestly feel like she carried the episode and she may not feel that way, but it's true because she made my life so easy. I barely had to even look at the questions I had planned. I, I didn't look at the questions I had planned because she just gave me so much and was so just good. So Nikki, thank you so much. This was so much fun. One day we'll do that Taylor Swift podcast that we've talked about because I've definitely got to do more of a dive into those podcast recommendations you gave me. But I hope you guys really enjoyed today's episode. As I said in the beginning, please feel free to DM me, message me, whatever. Most of you actually know me personally, so just text me. Any recommendations of people you would like for me to have on the podcast and I'm really looking forward to hopefully doing more of these very, very soon because it was just so much fun. And like literally this is the reason why I've always wanted to do this because it's awesome. So thank you guys and I'll catch you next time.